Amen. Amen. It's now time for Children's Church. You can be seated if you're pre-K through third grade. If you do not, haven't checked your child in and do not have a card to check them out with, a a number to check them out with, just come up right here and Miss Hope will give you a card to check your child out. If maybe this is the first time you're here or you haven't checked them in yet, we have a new process in which each child has to be checked out with a number. So if you're a parent and you need to go right here and talk to Miss Hope, you can get a number for your child if you haven't checked them in. It is Mother's Day. What a wonderful day it is. What a beautiful blessing from God mothers are. God's care and his love and his mercy on display for us to see the wonder and beauty of God himself through a mother's love. Amen. Whether you are a mother of a young child, which we saw earlier today, or a mother of grown adults, we thank you for looking out for the interest of others and not just yourself. Uh, We want to rejoice over you as a church to the high calling of being a mother. We also want to recognize there are some in our congregation who have the high calling of being a spiritual mother of those in the faith and investing their life in the life of others. And we're thankful for you as well and blessed for your sacrifice as God sees you and your work in the next generation of men and women who walk with their God. You know, a recent study just came out and uh, that showed that most moms wear many hats. you, You didn't have to have the study to know that, but the study did tell us that they have multiple jobs. And the study came to say that if a mother was paid for all the jobs that she did as a mother, her average salary would be around $184,820 a year. It's a pretty good salary, right? So if you put together a list of job titles that describe the work of some moms, take on, this would be their resume, all right? So just think about these job titles that mothers take on. Chief financial officer, chief operating officer, logistics analyst one, housekeeper, laundry manager, school bus driver, public school teacher, facilities manager, family and event planner, right? Kitchen manager, assistant athletics director, staff nurse, bookkeeper, physical therapy supervisor, nutrition director, consumer loan officer, fast food cook, server, (coughs) conflicts manager, interior designer, Fundraising coordinator. Uh, This one wasn't on the list, but I'll put it on there. Biblical counselor, right? In a world in which everyone wants to be rich and famous and extend their influence, the quiet, sometimes monotonous, tedious, and tiresome work of motherhood is often overlooked. In my home, I, I grew up 
my mother gave me everything she had, sacrificing for me and our family, and thus picturing the love of Christ. My wife today, she is an inspiration to me of how to love like Christ, sacrificing for us and raising up her children in the Lord. So the women in my life specifically have influenced me in such great and mighty ways. And today we look at another woman of God in the Bible and we see the reflection of the glory of God in her life. You see, her life is a picture of God's glory. And it will not only be a reminder to mothers as well, it will be a reminder to fathers and single men and women. And we will see in the story of Hannah, God is what we need. He is all that we need. This is God's provision for godly Mother. So turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. It is um, a beautiful story of the woman <clears throat> Hannah, the mother Hannah. So if you'll stand with me in reading God's word, we're going to read most of the story here through verse 20. It is a little bit, but what other things do we have to do today other than read God's word, right? There was a certain man of Rethaim, Sophim, the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jerom, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, the Ephrite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up every year from this, his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Benina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. 
Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. Amen? You can be seated. Father, we thank you for this story that reminds us of your grace, that you have not forgotten us, that you are there for us to comfort us in each and every affliction that we are in. We thank you for this woman's faith upon you and her trust in you. We pray that we would have that same conviction, Father, that we would trust in you no matter our circumstance, no matter our doubt, no matter our anxiety. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know moms can do extraordinary things. You've probably heard the woman who lifted the car off of her son in 1982. Her name was Angela Carvalho. Or the mother in 2010, her name was Melissa Harvey, who grabbed her six-year-old son while the house was on fire. Smoke was filling the house. The flames were engulfing the house. And she grabbed her six-year-old son and walked outside of the house only to realize that her other older two sons, her 11-year-old and her 13-year-old, were still stuck in the house to put her six-year-old son on the ground to walk back into the house and grab both of those children out, grab them and get them out of the house. Or the mother in 2009, Maureen Lee, who fought off a mountain lion off her three-year-old daughter while they were hiking in British Columbia, Vancouver. But Mary Thomas, this is an interesting story I, uh, I wanted to share with you this morning. She was a single mom, nine children, living in Chicago's rough west side neighborhood. Seven of Mary's nine kids were boys, seven boys. You can imagine what the house looked like at that point. Young men constantly stretching the boundaries of their tired mother's authority and patience. One day in 1966, Mary opened her front door to find 25 gang members on her doorstep. The men, members of the notorious Vice Lords gang, had come to recruit her seven sons. Mary, hearing their intentions, dropped her gaze and said, Oh, okay, hold on just a second. And she closed the door. When she opened the door again... The first thing the vice lord saw was the barrel of a loaded shotgun in which she said, there's only one gang around here and that's the Thomas gang. And with that same fortitude, Mary Thomas ushered each of her nine kids to their high school graduation. You may have heard of her youngest son, pro basketball player and hall of famer, Isaiah Thomas. You see, God gives great strength to mothers. 
And in the case of Hannah, he gave her the strength to give up her child, to be a priest in the house of the Lord. You see, her child would be Samuel, one of the greatest prophets of God's people. Samuel, which means God has heard, would be the so-called kingmaker as he would lead God's people to establish their first king, Saul. And he would be the man who would anoint King David as the king over all of Israel. You see, King David is a special king because in him there is the promise that his kingdom will never end. Looking forward to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, his name is Jesus. Amen? You see, Samuel was an extraordinary man of God who had an extraordinary mother. And this begins the book of 1 Samuel as the story unfolds in 1 Samuel. God will exalt the humble and bring low the proud. The best way to describe the book of Samuel is Peter does it the best in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's look at verse 2 for a minute. He had two wives. Speaking of Elkanah, the name of the one was Hannah and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. It doesn't start off too well for Hannah, Elkanah, firstly, has two wives, not God's plan, as God set forth in motion, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, two becoming one flesh. That was God's design for marriage. That is God's design for marriage. Now, at this time, in the Old Testament, it was permitted, but it was not God's design. It's not God's best. Never ends well in the Bible where there is polygamy. But Penina has children. Hannah does not. You see the issues begin to unfold. Look at verse 4. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah's wife and all her sons. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. Though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her. That, that word in the Hebrew provoke is like thunder. She became like thunder. The roar of thunder when her rival would provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. Year after year, this is going on. It's our first point this morning, and it is a point in the Bible Because to get to good news, you have to have the bad news, right? And this is the point. There is pain in motherhood. You see, this was not God's intended purpose in the Garden of Eden from the beginning. But as a result of the fall, as a result of the curse of sin and death, there is pain 
in childbearing. Look at verse Genesis 3.16 with me. It'll be on the screen for you. But it says this. To the woman, he said, this is God speaking to Eve, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Now, we understand that there is pain in bringing forth children, but this is all-encompassing. This is not just the, the act of giving birth. This is all-encompassing in bearing of children, the whole process of having children. And the barrenness of Hannah, we see this all through the Scriptures. It will be difficult. Not only the birth process, but then the raising process. Not only having a child, conceiving Having a child, but also raising children will be difficult. There will be pain. Abraham was promised that his descendants would be more than the stars in the sky by God himself. Yet, him and Sarah were in their 90s without a child. God provided Isaac, right? And then Isaac would marry Rebekah, and they were 20 years without children. And they prayed to the Lord, and the Lord gave them twins, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and his wife, Rachel, were without children, and the Lord gave them Joseph. Pretty important character in the Bible story, right? Samson's mother, in her old age, was given Samson. Elizabeth and Zechariah were past their childbearing years and they were given John the Baptist, who Jesus says is the greatest prophet. See, the promise of God in Genesis 3.15 was that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. So no wonder there would be pain in this childbearing, raising of children, conception of children process. The promised offspring of a woman who would crush the serpent or Satan and end his rule. And Jesus would be born of a virgin. And he would usher in the kingdom of God by taking the punishment of sin. But as we walk on this earth until the fullness of the kingdom of God is set up there is much pain as a result of the broken world. And everyone in this room this morning has felt the brokenness of this world in one aspect of their life. For Hannah, it was the dream of having a child. It was so important for her to have this child, so important in her day Why? More sons in her day meant more workers in the field. And more workers in the field meant they would eat. They would have income. Their family would have been provided for. You see, children were the retirement plan in this day and age. Taking care of their parents. It was also the military plan, the protector, not only the provider, but also the protector, the survival of that family 
or that nation. She longed for her dreams to be fulfilled, as she would be provided for, as she would be protected in her old age. But God was showing her something amidst the brokenness. And sometimes he is showing us something amidst our brokenness. What was he showing her, Pastor? I want to know. What was God doing in this situation? You'll have to keep reading. Let's read verse 7. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. In verse 8, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Now the husband here, he's trying to help. Earlier, he's giving her a double portion Right? Wives, feel free to swoon over double portion of mashed potatoes this afternoon. But essentially he's saying, don't be sad. Am I not good enough for you? (coughs) Essentially he is saying, seek fulfillment in other aspects of your life, Hannah. Man, this is definitely not what you want to say here. You can... This is a playbook on what not to do. Sometimes the Bible gives us what not to do. This is the world's response to heartache and pain. Right? Seek fulfillment in other aspects of your life. Right? Go take a spa day, Hannah. You need to really get in a bridge club or something. Elkanah is like, we can do another romantic getaway, right? But watch Hannah's response. Elkanah misses it. Hannah does not. Watch, watch Hannah's response, verse 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow that said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. It's a Nazarite vow meaning that he can go into the priesthood. As she, she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took to be her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord. I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor drunk strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul Before the Lord, do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. This is our second point this morning. Godly mothers go to the Lord in prayer. 
Elkanah says, seek, seek the fulfillment in other aspects of life. Get your mind off of this. Hannah says, no, I'm going to go to the Lord. You see, Eli, there's this story about Eli. He's supposed to be a, a priest, and he gets this wrong. It's supposed to show how wrong Eli is as his sons will be drinking and carousing as priests in the house of the Lord. But he calls out innocent, innocent Hannah here. But she is pleading to the Lord. You see, this is what the Lord desires for his people. That they would trust in him. That they would cast their anxiety upon him. That they would trust in the one true God. A scripture that you, I'm sure that you were taught if you grew up in the church from a very young age. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There was a man named E.V. Hill, Ed Hill, who pastored Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles. He was a famous pastor. He ended up praying at president's inaugurations. He was friends with James Dobson, Billy Graham, all the, the big time people of that day. He, t- he told a story about his mama and her love and how her prayers changed his life. During the height of the depression, Hill's real mother, who had five children of her own, didn't have enough food to go around, so she sent the four-year-old, Ed, to live with a friend in a small country town called Sweet Home. Ed just called this friend her mama since he was little. And he was growing up in Sweet Home. Mama displayed remarkable faith, which led to her having big plans for young Ed. Against nearly insurmountable obstacles, Mama helped Ed graduate from high school, the only student to graduate that year from the, the, from the country school. And she insisted that Ed go to college. And she took Ed to the bus station, handed him a ticket and five dollars, and said, Now go off to Prairie View College. And mama's going to be praying for you. Hill claims that he didn't know much about prayer, but he knew his mama did. When he arrived at the college with a dollar and 90 cents in his pocket, they told him he needed $80 in cash in order to register. And here's how Hill describes what happened next. I got in line and the devil said, get out of line. But I heard mama saying in my ear, I'll be praying for you. I stood in the line on mama's prayer. Soon there was another student ahead of me. I began to get nervous, but I stayed in line. Just about the time the other student got all her stuff and turned away, it was my turn to get up. 
I knew I had to pay the $80. But a man named Dr. Drew touched me on the shoulder and he said, are you Ed Hill? I said, yes. Are you Ed Hill from Sweet Home? He said, yes. Have you paid yet? He said, not quite. The man said, we've been looking for you all morning. I said, well, what do you want from me? We have a four-year scholarship that will pay your room and board, your tuition, and give you $30 a month to spend. And I heard my mama say, I will be praying for you. You see the power of a praying mother? There's nothing quite like it. Parents understand that they cannot control every circumstance for their child. They know that at some point they can't make all their decisions. But what we can do as parents, we can pray. We can pray to the Lord of heaven who is in control of all things. Now I want you to understand something in the story. Hannah has been praying for a child for herself to fulfill all her desires, but something changes here in her prayer. She prays for a child for the Lord. Even saying, I will give him to you. This is much different than her prayers before. Pastor, what is the Lord teaching Hannah through this? You must read to finish. You must finish reading to find out. Verse 17. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up. For she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him up so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull. They brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So let me help you understand fully. Hannah is sad, therefore she prays 
and then she is joyful or at peace. And then she receives the child. You would think she is broken, she prays, she receives a child, then she would be filled with joy, but that's not the case. Why? This is point number three. Godly mother's joy is found in the Lord himself. Our joy as the people of God is found in the Lord. Not in our children. You see, her joy is not found in obtaining a son. Hannah's joy is found in God, the God of her salvation. Look at the next part in in chapter 2. This is Hannah's prayer. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. She rejoices in the Lord before she's given a son. She asked the Lord for a son for the Lord, not for herself. You see, this is a picture of what will happen with Israel as they will think that they will need a king. But what they needed all along is God himself. It's also a picture of us today. We may think that we need a child or a spouse or a new job or lots of money or more Instagram followers. But what God is calling us back to is our need for him. That he is all that we need. You see, if our joy is found in anything other than the one true God, we will end up wanting. As God was teaching Hannah, God may be teaching you as well. God taking the brokenness of the world and reminding us of his steadfast love. The perfect picture is Jesus upon the cross. The humble Suffering servant who takes the pain and suffering and brokenness due to sin in this world upon himself so that you may have life. You see, this is the good news. The bad news is that we will suffer, that we are sinners. The good news is the kingdom of God is here because God has provided himself the horn of salvation for sinners. Hannah's story reminds us that God has not forgotten his people. He is the God of salvation and he wants us to return to him for our needs. So let the actions of this godly mother set an example for all of us whether we are mothers or not. Hannah, she took her broken heart to the Lord 
and she prayed. She was met there and she found joy when she had none. She began trusting in the Lord her God and he heard her. What is your heart broken about this morning? The opportunity to bring that heart of brokenness before the Lord is at hand now. Do you, like Hannah, need to come to the altar to pray with someone or have a caring person pray with you? Do you, like Hannah, need to change your prayer to remember that the Lord is all that you need at this time. We're going to have a time of response to the word of God this morning. I'm going to pray and then the altar will be open for prayer. There will be people who would love to pray with you. It is a broken world and we know that many are suffering this morning. We would love to pray and care for you this morning. Father, we thank you for your provision for Hannah. We thank you for your provision for us in reminding us that you are all that we need. Father, help us to be like Hannah, to be people who, Father, just trust in you first and foremost. In every circumstance, in every situation, Father, we pray that our anxiety, their anguish, our thunder, that we would come to you for the answers, that we would trust the God of the universe who created all things, who spoke all things into existence, would hear us, the one who controls the weather and diseases and opens the wombs. We pray, Father, that you would hear our prayers this morning, that our trust would be in the horn of salvation who is Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The altar is open for those who would like to pray. Would you stand and worship the Lord this morning? There's people here to pray with you if you need prayer.